Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. Uh, this is Jess. Hi, I'm Mikey. And we are back with uh, season two, episode three of Twin Peaks. Um, Correct. Mikey and I have had a shitty weekend, preceded by a shitty week. Yeah, but not even like for any reason. No, I, we're... I just everything is finally getting to me. I Like, I'm just... Yeah. Yeah, cabin fever and stressed and anxious and All the loopy and yeah. whatever. But on the bright side, we have watched three episodes of The Floor is Lava. And that show is so bad. But I love it very much. But yeah. also, some of the there was actually one guy who I... It, it's just a dumb reality show where it's like... The, it, I think you can figure it out by yeah, the yeah, title. Yeah, self-explanatory. And there was a guy who I disliked so much as a human that at one point he was jumping from one thing to the other that I said, oh, I hope he falls in and drowns for real. Yeah. So, like, I guess that's where There's I am. Some, like, that, the show would be, like, whatever dumb background TV, but they selected... There was one group of three dudes that was cool, and yeah, yeah. everybody else in the first several episodes were, were just awful human beings. Yeah, the first two teams that went, Ugh. particularly the triplets. Anyway. Well, f- you, you can Wolf hear more about that when we start our Flores Lava podcast. Listen, honestly, I have been like courting podcasts to people because this is the one thing that gives me like a thing to do every yeah. week. I have two podcasts now. I'm trying to convince Anne to start a Wishbone podcast with me. Don't know what that means, um, but all right. You're older than me. When I was in like elementary school, junior high, there was a little a show with a little um, Jack Russell Terrier who recreated historical events, and the Jack Russell Terrier played like Robin Hood or Joan of Arc. Um, probably like WGN is where I imagined it playing, huh. or like doesn't like WTGW. it was a local thing then? Yeah, I think it was like a PBS show. Okay, so probably like you know Channel Eleven. Doesn't even sound familiar. Um. It, it ran for three years, and you're definitely too old for it, because I was borderline too old for it, and you're six years okay. older than me. Hey, uh, this is a Twin Peaks podcast. Um, cool, so we are talking about um, episode 10 overall, according to uh, TwinPeaks.Fandom.com. Um, any initial thoughts before we jump in? We You, you love the director. I do. I, I think she's great. Um, Robert- be, beyond this, it was directed by Leslie Linka-Gladder. Yes. Um We've talked about her before. Beyond Beyond Twin Peaks, she's she's a, a really is a, a powerhouse television director. Yes, who isn't a household name, but neither are television directors Correct. for the most part. Yeah, um, most most people don't pay it. To, they they know the creator, you know, or the showrunner or whatever for a lot of famous shows, but don't necessarily know who directed each individual episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's actually it's. It's kind of cool if you look into it. There's a lot of women working in television. A lot of women directors are yeah. working in television and are doing great shows. But Leslie Linkletter has done, you know, directed at least one episode of basically every piece of prestige TV there is. Yeah. You know? Um. So the writer of this is Robert Engels, who didn't sound familiar. Um, he's great. He's he's a regular. He. Yeah, this, and, this is only a second Twin Peaks episode that he wrote. Yeah, now. he and Harley Payton kind of end up writing a lot. Yeah. Towards throughout the, the second season. Um so uh let's jump in. So this is also called The Man Behind the Glass. Uh third episode of the second Which, season. Does that sound familiar? I mean, I don't even know what that is supposed to mean. Mm, I don't either. But let's you know let's I mean? dive like in. it's we talked about how those titles came to be. They were part of the 
Bravo re-release mm-hmm. in Germany or some mm-hmm. some somewhere else, and so they were made up titles so that they could air them overseas. And then they translated those titles back to English when they made the DVDs of Twin Peaks and, and now, started, yeah. And then so they kept them so on like for, Netflix. If you're watching yeah. it there, you'll you're so you'll see, see that. But I don't. I have the man behind the glass. Glass. The man behind glass. The man behind glass. Yeah, I might have said it wrong. I might have said. I glass. I'm just trying to think of. Where I'm gonna the, keep it in the back of my mind. Or is, like, to is that see... a Harold thing? Oh, I bet it's a Harold thing. Or I'm trying to think of, like, did somebody see the poster of Bob behind glass somewhere on, like, a bulletin board? But I don't. I can't think of that happening. Are they setting like... up this, this scene where Dick Tremaine looks at his reflection in the glass? Because this, I mean, this is the point where this becomes the Dick Tremaine story, right? This is... Where we really follow your front and center. Cooper gets pushed to the sidelines and it becomes... Because frankly, nobody cares yeah, about Cooper. Nobody likes Cooper. This becomes all about Dick Tremaine. <laughs> um, yeah, we yeah we do see our first entrance of Dick Tremaine and two, I would say, not major players, but significant players in season two. We see Harold. Harold. And- Harold. And even his... He's got a, a significant arc, but he's not in it that long necessarily. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> we are going to start, as always, by reading the uh, Log Lady intro, which um, if you are watching this on a streaming service, likely you will not have read it, uh, seen it, excuse me. Um, it's just a, it's literally just a Log Lady talking straight to camera with her little monologue. This one is especially sure. interesting because, um, as Mikey's mentioned before, I'm a writer by trade, and Lynch famously thinks that language is very limiting mm-hmm. in the way he wants to tell stories which I don't I want to be clear I don't necessarily disagree with him like I understand what he means mm-hmm. but also words are all I have <laughs> I don't that's the other thing I don't think he's saying words are bad words are bad or words are limiting like you shouldn't use words I think he's saying I can't use words to yeah. tell my to speak what's in my mind yes, yes. i i think it's it's a very personal I words so are limiting too. for me is like, what he's saying not you you won't be able to tell me a good story because right you you need to show it to me i, I don't think that's what he's i saying. think it's also it's just how people's brains function because yeah. i definitely have like an internal monologue happening like my thoughts express themselves in words mm-hmm. whereas i understand other people don't have that same like, yeah I, i'm more on in the lynch in images sure. yeah I'm, I'm yeah i've always said player. you're basically the lynch of the 21st century yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, though. also Lynch is the Lynch of the 21st century. <laughs> it wasn't even a good joke. Okay, so um, so anyway, I bring that up just because um, the Log Lady intro is pretty, um, is, is pretty, is talking about this. Um, she says, letters are symbols. They are building blocks of words which form our language. Languages help us communicate. Even with complicated lang- languages used by intelligent people, misunderstanding is a common occurrence. We write things down sometimes, letters, words, hoping that they will serve us and those with whom we wish to communicate. Letters and words calling out for understanding. Yeah. I like that one. I think that's a nice... Um, yeah, and I think I think in this particular case, this what I take from that is this is a reference to... This, this episode is where it is kind of the launching pad of several tough storylines 
Yeah. And and it was probably. And when you say tough, you mean tough to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, that we get introduced to Dick Tremaine. That whole storyline, like like the, some of these are storylines that could be interesting. And I think Lynch Frost people some of these creators set people up with like hey we want to do something like this with these characters yeah. you guys are the writers go write it go shoot it go go put it out and then you ended up with dick tremaine dick, like but like dick tremaine's not bad yet yeah i was, I was he's, he's a perfectly to... interesting character he the okay you're you're pulling helping pull lucy to the forefront for yeah. some things that's cool harold is a great character but you're getting into James talking about going off on his own. And we're like, please. You're getting into, like, just some of these storylines are starting to plant the seeds for... What is going to be a very long second season with ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, we start with, uh, we're in the hospital. Uh, Harry helps the... I just gotta say, like, I hate that we're... Because this is still a great episode. Yes, I and I I feel like I we've are, we've spent the first three episodes still talking about how like there's bad episodes in the second season, and I hate that because there's st- like so far this is still an excellent show. Oh, see, this was not necessarily my favorite episode. Not as good, well, no, but it's still not a well, bad episode. No, I don't think it's a bad episode, but we're also launching the Dick Tremaine timeline and the Nadine is a teenager yes, timeline, yes. which is classically bad. Yeah, but also like. <laughs> I don't think that Nadine storyline would be that bad if it didn't take place along with three other bad storylines. Yes, I think it's, it was... You uh, can yes. have one and it becomes kooky and weird and kind mm-hmm. of fun. I but would, the problem is you have that alongside a bunch of bad storylines and it's like, what the hell is even happening? Yeah, yes. Um, so uh, so we're seeing Renette, who was uh, would have been the, the other victim the night that Laura died. They were yeah. in the, the same place. Harry, our sheriff, is helping the orderlies restrain Renette in the process. Who, this is our first... That orderly with the gray mullet oh, man, boy. is getting some primo extra he work. He got some screen he time. starts, like every hospital shot starts on him doing something and then pans over to the important Yeah, and it's, it's great. And it's I great. I wonder and it's got such like the perfect mullet. It is an aggressive mullet. It's fantastic. It felt like it was attacking me as a thing. <laughs> um, so Cooper and Albert enter. Oh, we're about to have words about Albert in a little bit. Uh, Cooper and Albert enter. Cooper takes a sample from her fingernail, a small piece of paper containing the letter B. So this is, we came across this in the pilot first. Mm-hmm. And then another place, or was it all a, in the pilot? A few times. It's, that they've referenced it. That there's letters. I think letters. it's actually, is it the pilot or the first episode where he pulls it out of? Because he looks in Ronette's fingers and doesn't find anything. But I think he pulls it out of. Laura Palmer's fingernail. Yeah, in he the finds first it in Palmer's. Because it, it's the and same. And then there was they it's the found same scene one. Where in, the lights are flashing. Yeah, and they found one in the in Teresa Banks, as well. Teresa Banks. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I forgot about her. A year um, before, so then you never see them find that. But right. They, yeah. Um. So is it always what the right ring finger? Left ring finger. I okay. think. Okay. Left ring finger, which oh, it ucks me out. The like pulling something out of underneath your fingernail yeah. gives me the yucks in a big way. Um, so it's a, a small piece of paper containing the letter B. Uh, Cooper tells Harry and Albert about his visit from the giant, which I enjoyed this exchange very it's, much. It's also a great running bit throughout the show. Like every time they like are starting a scene or ending a scene, you see them like in the background of scene. 
so how tall was he? <laughs> did, but, did, but like, did he have like a big booming voice? Or like, like just these little, like they're still trying to get more information, but like. They're trying to paint a picture for themselves. But it's also so like, what happened? Like it's, that's so, like and he I, was how, so like the the ceilings are like 10 feet tall yeah, that's in the like, Great w- Northern. Was he all the way up to the ceiling? Almost? Just about. Ceilings wow. Great Northern are like 10 feet tall. Like, like that's crazy. And then Albert comes in just sort of like non sequitur. Did it have to do with the midget? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he talks about his visit from the giant, recaps the three messages the giant sends, which I definitely know off the top of my head, and I'm going to tell you them as follows. Smiling bag. There's a man in a smiling bag. The owls are not what they seem. Yes. Without chemicals, he points? Yes. Okay. And so we've seen... The smiling bag come into play almost immediately. Almost yeah. immediately, it was the body bag from. There's also the fourth pseudo clue that isn't considered one of the clues, which was the Leo locked in a hungry horse. Yes, which um, also comes to comes, right. Basically, it was like here's a clue to prove to you that because this is going to come to fruition right away mm-hmm. to prove that all my other three clues yeah, yeah. are going to to play out also. Um, so owls are not what they seem is what um. Oh fuck! I can't remember his Major rank. Briggs. Major Briggs. Uh, Major Briggs comes in and says he That's got the, some like yeah, alien got, shit. He got the deliver the message message yeah. from the log, from the log lady to um, tell him that they got buried among the space garbage. <laughs> was the, um, was an and then our third one is going to come into play later in this in this episode. It starts in this episode. You get a full understanding. I assume in the next episode or the subsequent. Oh, I hope episode, so because this there, did not make. There's sense, some right? clarity on what that means. Okay. Um, okay, that's good. But so th- what he found was the the clue coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. But what that the meaning of that comes I would to play a little bit later. Argue that the that that first part isn't true. I think he makes a very big leap to like make that work. But we'll talk about it when it comes up. Um, and then we cut to uh, Donna, uh, who knocks on Harold Smith's door. So mm-hmm. he's the first time we're seeing this character. We saw him. He was the one who peek out of the shades or whatever. But yeah, yeah, some peek out of the shades. Somebody, his another Meals on Wheels person told mm-hmm. her to check Mr. Smith. But a young man, a young man, not not elderly, yes. not like visually seeming like there's any reason why he would be uh, right. locked inside. But he explains that he's agoraphobic. He does not go outside. He cannot go. Which outside. I wonder if because they never use everyone refers to him as agoraphobic, but. Mm-hmm. They never mention that word. And I'm wondering, like, is it an issue of, like, he doesn't know that word? He never got it looked at? They don't know that word? Or just... I mean, I've always just been kind of curious they, about they that. Maybe they wanted to stay away from, like, technically labeling anybody Maybe. anything. Because I understand, like, as a TV writer, you don't want to limit yourself with, like, well, agoraphobia has these symptoms. And sure. if he's doing this, that wouldn't really fit into that. Like, I, I don't know much about agoraphobia at all. Sure. Um, but th- that would be my guess. But it's it seems to be the easiest way to yeah, yeah, yeah. succinctly no, and explain it. It makes what, sense as an yeah. explanation. But I was just always curious that, like, why they never labeled it. Yeah. Because um, it seems like that seems like an easy way to explain to someone... Mm-hmm. I can't go outside because I'm agoraphobic. I also not just like because they don't understand. No one understands it. Like Donna never understands why he won't just go outside. But maybe um, that's the idea. I wonder if I don't know why I learned the term of agoraphobic, and I wonder if 
the early, like late eighties, early nineties was not a time where like people just said like, oh, that guy was weird, or yeah, that, that's what and, I mean. And they that, wouldn't say, oh, he. That's what I'm wondering. Displaying is, like is, autistic tendencies. Is it a product of its time, or were they trying to avoid it intentionally? My guess would be a product of his time because I can think in hindsight of like the quote unquote weird kid in my yeah. high school. Like obviously he was just on the spectrum, and yeah. like I think if we had all understood that, sure. we would have been kinder people. And, and but I love the exchange that the two of them have where. Mm-hmm. He'll say something and it'll be like, I know what you're thinking. Because I'm not, I'm I'm all there. Mm-hmm. I'm coherent. I'm not like a crazy person who is all over the place and you don't know what I'm going to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I understand what's happening. So when I say this, mm-hmm. you're making a judgment, Donna. Yeah. Say it. Do you want to say it? Yeah. What you're asking me is this. Yeah. And then she just plays along with it, which is a, a great exchange. I love the approach to mental illness of mm-hmm. like she's not afraid of him she's not acting weird around him he says you know so do you want to you want to know why don't yeah. you yeah and she's like yeah okay i do and i'm going to treat you with respect mm-hmm. and i i love this approach to mental illness oh 100% it's it's very sweet it's very i'm not tiptoeing around but i mm-hmm. also and being courteous and polite and respectful mm-hmm. and nobody's like demonizing anybody for mm-hmm. it and stuff. It's a it's a great Yeah, I think setup at least, because it gets into a territory where she's potentially using him. Sure. And that gets uh, hairy, but this initial approach to a character with you know, symptoms of a clear cut mental illness mm-hmm. is interesting. I think so too, and I think that um I think that this harkens to sort of how we, and when I say we, I mean like you and I and hopefully people we know and love treat mental illness, not necessarily we as a society, but is more like, you know, like I deal with depression, you deal with anxiety, and we're both very much like, I'm just feeling like shit today. Like, I'm sorry, you can't help me. I just need this space. Or you're feeling anxious and like... I don't... <laughs> I just cheers the microphone. Like, I don't need to feel guilty about it. I just need to understand what's going on so I can act on my end accordingly, which that feel that feel much feels like what she does. Yeah. Oh, you can't go outside? All right. Now I understand the perimeters of our relationship. If yep. you want to talk to me further about it, the door is open. I am, like, mm-hmm. I am opening it, myself as a, a yeah. friend who you can discuss this with, but I'm not going to, like, pressure you. I'm not going to ask yeah. you. This is... I now understand the parameters of our friendship. Yeah. And, uh, and then I will exploit them later. <laughs> yeah. It's, listen, it starts off fine. That's, but that's, it gets hashtag problematic. Yeah. But, but not even, but not problematic because of the issue. Problematic because of the person. Yes. She, she made a choice to do that. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so anyway, uh, wow, we got one sentence into this paragraph. So uh, Harold has many flowers in his living room. Um, orchids and, primarily but yeah. orchids primarily and also when we I'm so glad uh, Harold's now in our in our lives in this podcast because when um, Twin Peaks season 3 premiered mm-hmm. we had a big Twin Peaks party at our house mm-hmm. and our very close friends who live in Louisville we live in Chicago drove up for it and it was a costume party because that's just sort of our brand um, I played the man from another place and mm-hmm. got to dance weird. And you read, read Cooper did, with the pajamas? I did pajamas? season finale Cooper. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but our friend, uh, so it's my best friend from college and her boyfriend, Jeff. <laughs> and Jeff, Jeff was not prepared. Jeff was not, he had suspenders though, he, didn't he? He, 
we bought all that. Oh, did you? Like we went around. We spent all morning going shop to shop. Was to it buy the first time you met Jeff too? Yeah. So, so Leslie's yeah. been my best friend for whatever ten years, um, and so and we don't get to see each other very often. So we we get we need what we call Jessly time of like we mm-hmm. have a a very high and specific energy that uh-huh. is annoying to everybody who's uh-huh. not Jessly. Um, and so we're like, okay, we need to get supplies because we did a little photo booth thing. But like mental illness, we treat it with respect we it with and we respect. allow you to have it. You give me my space. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Like any time, and it's a big thing for us to visit them or them to visit yeah. us. But every time we're all like, okay, Jess and Leslie just but need to go like. Because of that, Jeff and I bonded immediately of like, okay, we're just going to sit back and be cool. And but like also you guys have a lot in common sure. anyway. It worked yeah. out beautifully. Yeah. Um, but so, and so we're on our, we are on a mission to get like shit for this photo booth that we're putting together and Jeff decided he was going to be Harold. And so we just had to like create what this. What we realized was it was incredibly hard today to find a white pocket tee. Yeah. Well, this was three years ago. Because pocket tees don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. Two years prior to that. Yeah. I had 13 pocket tees from Target. Sure. Exactly. Um, and he did end up buying a woman's pocket tee. Yeah. Um, so it didn't fit well. And then I think he gave it to Leslie and she's like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but we ended and up, actually, yeah. no, he gave it to me and I wore it once. I was like, no. Yeah. No, no, and no. And so, yeah, so we tried to do that. We tried to find the, we kept calling it a monocle, but realizing now it's just a magnifying glass. Oh, yeah. Because a monocle yeah. would imply that he yeah, like exactly. in his eye. Um. But he's got a magnifying so glass to look at the to orchid. Like Goodwill. We went everywhere. Everywhere. You found the suspenders. You found your Eventually. pocket tee. I think we found the pocket tee, too. Maybe. And then Les and I were wandering around Target and found a... Then we had to go to like the hardware store to find a whatever those claw things Yeah, we're doing are. the same thing. Trowel? The, maybe. There's trowel. The, the three-prong gardening tool thing that comes up in a later episode. No, not a trowel. <laughs> um, but... So we were trying to just find like a round thing that he could wear around his neck as his like little magnifier. Yeah. And Les and I finally like took a picture. We found just like a barrette. Yeah. That was gold and circular. We're like, we did it. Was it was perfect. Yeah, it worked. And then you bought a percolator, percolator, which is still yeah. in our cabinet for reasons. And I also bought a stuffed fish and put it in there. And that was our dog's Because we had a, a whole, we had a, so here's the thing. We set up a photo booth. Yes. So I had a, I, I bought a shower curtain. red and chevron colored shower curtain that mm-hmm. looks like the Black Lodge, hung that up on the wall, set a camera up on a tripod with a timer mm-hmm. that would shoot a burst of four photos. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, press the button on the camera, step up in front of the thing and bop, 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 takes four photos like, yeah. a, like a photo booth. Uh, but then I also had a prop table. Yes. Like photo booths at weddings always have so there was like i made a bunch of owl cave rings yeah. i made the like miss twin peaks flyer the mm-hmm. the the have you seen See this me. man flyer yeah. i got a a percolator that i put a stuffed fish sticking out of it was of. dory doesn't matter <laughs> um it was a fish i don't think they had angel fish in the pacific northwest also, is that what dory was don't think i knew it was dory i just saw a stuffed fish so i bought it um, what else did I have? We had like a sash that was like the Miss Twin Peaks sash. The Laura Palmer homecoming photo. Um, it's a royal blue tang. I'm very sorry. I don't know what a whatever I said was. Anyway, it, like a, I had a log pillow. Um, but anyway, so I had a whole thing. And it was a lot of fun to set up. But to do it, he had to create his costume. And so we spent all day 
wandering around so that Jeff could dress like Harold the horticulturalist. Yeah, it was... That was a long tangent to get to that point. Yeah. Um, you, had, you said you had the log lady glasses? Yeah, I had a pair of red glasses like the log ladies. We had made a bunch of like double R, like old diner hats then yeah. put the double R diner logo on it. We don't have people over frequently, but when we do, it is like... I a, lose my mind. Yes. Mikey... <laughs> Can like Mikey's whatever a reverse agoraphobe is. He doesn't want anybody else in our house ever, but is constantly setting up the house for I when like, we I inevitably have I like guests. When people come here, do you? Though? But I also like them to leave by nine o'clock. Okay, there it is. And I want everybody to stay forever yeah. and let's never go to sleep because this is the most fun I'm ever having. Yeah. When I'm done, I want you to be like, okay, cool, let's go. Yeah, which is. You know what? It works with the house we have now because I can go downstairs yeah. and we can be as li- I can do drunk yoga with Leah, and you can be asleep. You did drunk yoga now? Yeah, that's okay. one of our things that we do. Not to brag. All right. Um, I'm really good at yoga when I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> anyways, so he's shut in, can't go outside. We're talking about Harold again. Um, he asks Donna to place one of his orchids on uh, Laura's grave. Which is a great setup. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very honest, real reason why the, these two characters would get to know each other. Yes, and it also helps us later. We do some exposition dumping of Donna, who's at Laura's grave, delivering the flower they, and then talking to they her. They really headstone. needed to have a moment of catharsis. Mm-hmm. And well, I think the, we two, need to- the, two, the two characters, you never really see them together. You never really even see... I mean, obviously, Laura's dead, so you don't, but like... You see them at the picnic, but, like, they were the glue mm-hmm. of all, like, their friendship was a lot of it. And so watching that fall apart was a big deal. So they needed to have that, like, closure. Yeah. I that, really liked like, that scene between yeah, them. At the, um, the and also I think that the – everything that has to do with Donna frequently is tried is, – is portrayed with, like, longing looks and, like, mm. you know what I mean? And in, in subtext. I mean, obviously they do, like, say their feelings a lot, but yeah. they just do a lot of, like – is she mad because she loves him? Is she mad because she doesn't love him anymore? Yeah. yeah. they because And I think they just tried to... Let's have her do generic looks that we can figure out what they mean later when we figure out what to do with her. Right. Because they didn't know what to do with... All of the kids, they don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. James, Donna... Because... Maddie comes in and out of importance... Like, Which makes sense because if you have a high schooler who died, you need to explore the people around sure. her. However, I bet if you're David Lynch, you don't give a fuck what drama's going on with high schoolers. Like, sure. they don't, like, they're petty. Which, and that's why they treat them like adults. Yeah. Audrey is a full-blown adult. They treat everybody, every character is treated like a full-blown adult. Yes, yes, correct. Um, but... Okay, so he asks Donna moves in the greenhouse. Oh, um, and walks out to his greenhouse. Donna sees a slip of paper on his bookshelf and tries to like pull it out. Is she consciously going into Harold's house trying to find clues, or is that just like I she's... don't think so? Because it seems weird. Like if I went into like my late friend's friend's house right like somebody i didn't necessarily know but we had this late friend in common and i i guess if they died in a mysterious way the thing is that person died in a mysterious, and what i i don't think is clear but is meant to be taken is that that's not a drawer that's like a secret drawer and i think it looks like where this piece of paper yeah where this piece of paper is kind of sticking the corner out of mm-hmm. like 
wait a second, that looks like it'd be like if you saw a painting on a wall and a little piece of paper sticking out from underneath it. Okay. That would be intriguing to sure, you. Sure, sure, sure. Why is that like that? That's that that fair. clearly looks like it's being hidden. Yeah. And I think that's what we were meant to take, but it also needed to be sticking out enough and clear enough that we could see what it was. And to some extent, so like that was a fine balance and and yes, we're now watching it on a 65-inch TV yeah. in HD, it's, it's but that wasn't giant. happening in 1991. <laughs> sure. Like, totally fair. So I think that's part of it, and I think... Because she when she, later in a future scene, when she goes to that cabinet to try to open it, they mm-hmm. can't figure even how to open it. It's not right. just a drawer. Yes. It's a secret compartment of a bookshelf. Right. Um, Harold interrupts her with a lady slipper orchid. Uh, Harold says that Donna is every bit as lovely as Laura and said that... Uh, she oh excuse me Harold says that Donna is every bit as lovely as Laura said she would be and Mm -hmm. she takes the orchid and tells Harold that she'd be back Um, do we know how old Harold's supposed to be should this make me uncomfortable no and yes okay (laughs) I I think he's definitely an adult yeah but he also the connection I think too is that like Laura was and Donna or maybe not Donna as much but Laura was definitely older than she was whereas Uh, due to I think the lack of social interaction and thing like that things like that I think Harold is a little bit stunted that, that's fair so I think while Laura is 18 he might be 25 26 but acts like a teenager but, still, is, in a lot of but ways. still yeah is a little bit stunted in in his interaction yeah yeah okay so I think that made them connect a little more sure. Um, okay, so we're back at uh, the station house. Uh, Cooper's standing in front of a blackboard with the letters. Actually, did we skip over? Um, yeah, Lucy is doing... Um... No, the blackboard's oh, did, okay. first. Uh, so Cooper's standing in front of a blackboard with the letters found under the girl's, um, the girl's fingers. R-B-N-T. R-B-N-T. Um, and has the name of the people who've seen Bob. Yeah, there's like he's got the Have You Seen This Man poster taped mm-hmm. to the board. Four names written around it of the people who've seen Bob in some form. Have or they other. called him Bob yet, or is he still just the man with the? Yeah, he, he's, Bob. The, he's uh, Bob. Is he? Because they say like the man with the long hair a lot. That could be. I thought. He, I thought. He, I thought in Cooper's. Maybe not. No. 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 You're right. Because otherwise, right. RBT I, I they... feel really obviously. Yeah. Robert. It's with context. Without chemicals gives the name. Gotcha. That, that clue becomes okay. the name of Bob. Um, it. So it's the man with the long hair. Um, so Maddie's seen him, Mrs. In a Palmer. Vision. Sarah Palmer in a vision. Cooper. Cooper in a dream. Ronette. Ronette in reality, okay. essentially. R-B-T. Harry, I believe that these letters and the giant's clues are in some way related to this long-haired man. Mrs. Palmer saw him in a vision. She called this morning to say that Maddie had seen the man twice in the past two days. Both times in a vision. I've seen him in my dream. And Ronette. She saw him physically at the train car. Right. Four of us have seen him in different forms. This path is a psychic link that will lead us straight to him. Um, Harry asks about the giant and Albert dismisses it. That Well, that's a great reveal, too. Like, you see the two of them having this conversation around the board. They're two having, of them being? Uh, Harry and Cooper. Okay. About the RBT and the thing and these are the psychic link and I have this, all this conversation and then there's just this full 180 180 degree cutaway lengthwise of the table most of the shot is the length of the table and at the far end of the table with his feet perched up is Albert yeah 
who decide who's like oh by the way I'm fucking here yeah yeah, yeah. like I'm yeah, gonna let you nice guys do whatever girl. whatever stupid shit you're doing but like Albert's there too oh, and it's just man. a great little reveal because you yes. have a whole almost a whole scene worth of information happening before you realize Albert's in the room also we are gonna have some words about yeah. Albert in a little bit I'm genuinely not looking forward to it <laughs> um um, Albert dismisses the thing about the giant and then reports that the cocaine found in James' tank. Um, so we know Bobby planted cocaine in James' mm-hmm. uh, motorcycle gas tank and it matched the cocaine found in Jacques' Which is car. a great line delivery. We can find that and drop it in. But sure. when Albert says, we found this, 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 you get the picture and the frame. The cocaine you found in James Hurley's gas tank was a match to what we found in Jacques' car and in Leo's house. You get the picture? Even got the frame. Is a great line mm-hmm. of not only do I see what's happening, I see that James was framed. Right. It's a it's a great it's very a good. little bit of a pun, but in a way that's like it's good wordplay. It's yeah, it's a it's a great yeah, a great great yeah. wordplay. Good. Yeah. Uh, so that cocaine matched matched what was in Jacques' car and Leo's house, um, and they understand that. Le- well, they think that Leo framed James, but. Bobby. It doesn't matter who did at this James point. James was framed. James was framed, and we can let we don't have to keep an eye on James anymore. Sure. Which is also to the detriment of the show in some way, because, because now James is untethered. Yeah. And has no fucking purpose <laughs> whatsoever, <laughs> and nobody knows what. Like every new writer, every new storyline that comes in, every new everything. Nobody knows what to do with James. But isn't it wild? Because James is such a blank slate. So you would think a writer would you be could like, do anything. Any, and but instead, the thing they're is like, like his no. only real connection. But and that's the other thing too is I think people didn't trust him. The actor, to, yeah, mm-hmm. as an actor to be, hey, let's start this new cool storyline, fronted by this guy because he's never he's always just been this like oh kind of mopey. oh guy. Yeah. That like we don't we don't know what we can do with him. Yeah, I always think. Whereas like we can give Cheryl Lee work. Mm-hmm. We can give Laura Flynn Boyle work because yeah. she can do this stuff. She struggled a little bit when we didn't have a good writing for her, but right. now that we give her this Harold storyline, which is interesting, oh, mm-hmm. she's a good actress. Yeah, we didn't have we couldn't work with Jane. It's I think it's so funny because like we have a lot of friends who are actors. There's a quadrillion attractive white dudes who are trying to act. And so I feel like every time I see a performance in a movie or a TV show and their performance is subpar, I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, it's not for lack of resources. White male actors, any white... Most actors are like an unlimited resource. I think it's just down to like David Lynch's audition process is... Weird. Famously just like he meets with people (laughs) and gets a read on them, talks with them for a while and is like, I like you. I like you for this role. Let's do it. And I think he did that, and he got the performance he needed out of James from the pilot. He's excellent in the pilot. And then it turns out, oh, he's just not that great of an actor. Well, and I think that's a failing of Lynch as a television exactly. person. Exactly. Absolutely. It he's is. a movie creator. Right. And that, but that's all he was thinking of at that sure. point was... I want this pilot. I, we're making this. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking about. We'll cross that bridge if and when we get there. Mm-hmm. But for now, this guy's great for this, and he was. Sure. Um, the letter B found under Ronette's finger and didn't they establish they had already checked Ronette's finger so somebody had slipped that under her fingernail yes because they she's been in the hospital they checked early on okay like that was the first thing and he's like one of the first things 
in either the pilot or episode one, he looks under her nails and they're like, we already looked for particles yeah. and, and stuff. He's he, like, I'm not looking for that. Yeah. And he didn't find anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, but then that also means who knew to do that because we didn't release that information to the public. Sure. Um, the letter B that was found under Ronette's finger was cut from an edition of Flesh World. Mm-hmm. Um, he also says, Cooper also says that he sent a picture of Bob. Cooper says this or Albert says this. Sent a, a picture of Bob to law enforcement agencies across the country. He says like everyone from like. We sent a portrait of your long haired man to every agency from NASA to DEA and came up empty. This cat is in nobody's database. A man that four of us have seen here in Twin Peaks. The FBI to the FDA or something like that. Like okay. make some some plan words there, um, and came up with nothing. No, so nobody recognizes this sketch of Bob. He also says that Cooper was shot with a Walther PPK, mm-hmm. which is James, James Bond's, Bond's gun. gun. Yeah. Um, and on his way out. Okay, here. We, anything you want to say about this scene before we get into the Albert? I, I just Harry I like it. I, it's a fun. Ex- I like the. I I just I like how. Albert grounds things mm-hmm. in a way that like we start getting into this weird supernatural shit. Of course. And, and we take we take for granted that in every movie or show or whatever that does this, you get into this weird supernatural realm and shit where we're talking about psychic links that are going to mm-hmm. help us find this guy because they saw him in visions or dreams or whatever. People either unanimously just take it on faith and go mm-hmm. okay cool I trust you that's that's the world we live in mm-hmm. or it's the exact opposite nobody believes it yeah. so it's it's fun to have everybody on board for this crazy new mm-hmm. world and new territory we're treading and Albert keeps being like are you guys crazy though? yeah yeah you had a dream yeah that's what I'm yeah. doing and like show? not even like whatever if it turn if it materializes to some legitimate evidence that I can do something with right cool We'll roll with it. If not, you just had a fucking dream, dude. Everybody's talking about this. Right. Dreams are manifestations of your subconscious. Of course you dreamt about right. this fucking right. guy. Right. Like, uh, well, and it's funny. We uh, Last weekend we watched Jennifer's Body, um, and there was a scene between um, fucking what's her name played Cosette. I cannot think of her name right now with the big blue eyes. Um, Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. Who you'll see in Twin Peaks season three. Spoilers. Um, dun, 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 dun. Um, so it's like a supernatural thing. Amanda Seyfried's best friend becomes possessed, and she tries. She's like, I think she's a succubus. So this is what's yeah. going on. She tries to tell her boyfriend. Boyfriend, of course, doesn't believe her. And then at the end, he's like, I'm so sorry, I didn't believe you. I'm like, I'm sorry. If my if my husband, if my best friend came and was like, Hey, I think oh boy is is like possessed by a succubus, I wouldn't be like, Well. I have to take Mikey at his word. Right. He's never been wrong about anything before. But yeah, but I like, but I like that. I like that there's somebody grounding it sure. and giving. You know, I like that. Okay, so um, on his way out, Albert insults Harry again. So Harry grabs Albert's collar and says that the last time he punched Albert, he felt sorry about it, but the next time will be a pleasure. And then Albert gives. I'm going to give the greatest speeches that's ever give, happened in Twin Peaks. Which is this. Anything we should be working on? Yeah. You might practice walking without dragging your knuckles on the floor. Albert, let's talk about knuckles. For the last time, I knocked you down. I felt bad about it. The next time is going to be a real pleasure. You listen to me. While I will admit to a certain cynicism, the fact is that I'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence. Mm-hmm. 
I pride myself in taking a punch and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. Albert's path is a strange and difficult one. And I, I, I am not willing to say that this isn't a well-delivered monologue, nor that it's a great monologue. Mm-hmm. I think his internal reasoning is at best specious, at worst out-and-out bullshit. Because, so he talks about, so he says, I admit to a certain cynicism, and he says I'm a naysayer and a henchman in the fight against Hatchet fight. Man. Oh, Hatchet Man. Yes, you're right. Um, I pride myself on taking a punch blah 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 I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King my concerns are global I reject absolutely revenge ag- aggression and retaliation the foundation of such method is love I love you Sheriff Truman let me tell you I I, I understand why theoretically it's a really lovely speech and it's interesting and it's odd and it well, just fits. keep in mind Albert's path is a strange and difficult one but I don't think you get to say, I'm a pacifist. I believe that aggression and retaliation is not part of my life goal. However, I'm a flaming asshole to everybody I meet. I do not understand how we can honestly join those two methods up. Like, of course, he's not physically violent against anybody else. I don't else. think he's saying entirely that he's a pacifist. I thought he did. A uh, certain cynicism and naysayer had in the fight against violence. Pride myself taking I th- a bunch. I think bunch. I think it's less about pacifism and more about justice. I'm going to do whatever is necessary to achieve justice. And if if I feel like you're in the way of that justice, I think that's a problem. But I'm I'm always in search for justice because I think that's honesty and love and whatever like i think i think it's a matter of i don't care if i look like an asshole or if i come off as an asshole if i think you're wrong in my pursuit of justice then you're in my way but he's not he's infrequently saying that that truman is straight up and down wrong because the thing is like do you have any other whatever and he's like yeah practice not knuckle dragging or whatever like in what way is that getting him closer to the truth he's just a smart ass but that does not jive with I love you Sheriff Truman the foundation of such a method is love I love you Sheriff Truman those don't feel like they can exist side by side I disagree I I think it's 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 I'm a smart ass I'm a son of a bitch I admit to cynicism or whatever he says. Like, it's it's a matter of, yes, I'm going to be an asshole, but like I'm I I'm a I I'm not touchy feely. I can't do that. That's not who I am. But do you what you need to understand is that this isn't coming from a place of hate. This is coming from a place of justice. We all want the same thing. Right. I'm just kind of a son of a bitch. And, and like, it's his way of saying I'm sorry, but he's too prideful to say sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I under, I do understand what you're saying. I you know, I hear you and I understand yeah. why you think that. I just don't to me it feel to me it genuinely feels like an abusive partner of Oh, that I don't disagree with that. Oh. That I I I hit you cuz I love you. Or no, no, I don't think it's that because it's not it's not the same extreme. Like He's not hitting like everything he's saying is I'm kind of an asshole and I'm a smart ass. It's not genuine, but it's I'm also not physically hitting you or Yeah, but I think that's such a reductionist view of like what abuse is. Sure. No. Because like, yeah, no, like, you know, so and so has never hit me, but they make me feel like shit every day of my life and they constantly undermine everything I say or do. Like that's equally as unimportant especially when you're trying to work together to solve a case and you're just dismissing this person out of hand it's the whole thing is basically the definition of a roast so you think it's I'm not gonna go with you on that no I mean I think I think that's his thing is like I'm gonna make fun of this town it's all whatever but as long as you get to where you need to go we're fine but if I give you shit or if I give my best friend shit, it is from a mutual understanding of we're all on the same yes. page. It's very, very, very clear that uh, that um, with Truman isn't like, oh, you got me. You roasted me. Like, he is hurt by these and he's infuriated by them and it makes him able to do his job less well but i but the thing is like you said well we can do this to each other and it's fine yeah rosenfield thinks he can do that he thinks that we're Lauren for we all we're all off to the same goal we uh-huh. are on that page and what he's telling him specifically in this speech is i thought we were on the same page i thought i could do this shit to he you he got punched in the fucking face when he first met him like it's and he loosened up and as the things went on but i think that's what he's doing is relaying the groundwork saying let's start over from scratch this isn't about me hating you this is we're all in this together after a common goal i'm gonna razz everybody sorry i'm an asshole but i'm an asshole and that doesn't mean that that's right or that's Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. it doesn't make albert like a perfect person. No, no, no. Nor would I. But what he's that. saying is let's take a step back and know where this is coming from. This isn't coming from a place of hate. I don't think that you're shitty and an awful person or whatever. But we're in this together. Yeah. And this is... I Albert's neck deep in the most horrible shit mm-hmm. all the time. His way out his, is his cynicism and sarcasm mm-hmm. and... And, you know, his snarky remarks and shit like that because it's what's keeping him sane, I think, in the fact that he lives in a really, really dark world. Okay. And I think think he's assuming because he's so used to not – to doing this in – with a bunch of people in Philadelphia and New York Mm -hmm. and all these, like, big cities and stuff that, like, see these awful crimes and everybody talks to each other that way. He's not – he – wasn't prepared for someone to react to it because he's been speaking to people this way his whole life. So sincerity and is not something he's comfortable with. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So this was a okay. huge leap forward for his character because he's saying, let's take a step back. I, 
this is as close as I'm going to get to an apology. Yeah. Because I can't do that. Right, right. I don't have the, but, the emotional bandwidth to apologize. But, which is funny because it's easier for him to say, I love you. Yeah. Than it is to say, I'm Buckwild. sorry. Yeah. Because sorry admits that they were wrong. Yes. And okay. I, I, not saying it's right and it's perfect and it makes him this great larger than life man. Right. But I think yeah, there's a genuine honesty behind it. That is genuinely a better description than I have. Because we've watched the show for a long time and that's always been a sticking point to me of like, no, 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 no. You don't get to be a fucking flaming dick bag to somebody and then be like, no, I love you. Because it just reminds me of like any, for some reason I'm thinking of reality shows when like people have conflict like, oh, I only res people I like. Well, not everybody understands your frame of reference. Exactly. And so to that person, you're just being a dick bag. Exactly. Okay. And 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 he did not realize that until now. Like he, which... But you don't think when he's like, oh, I'm giving this guy shit and he gets straight up, pun- he gets punched in his face and then he's like, I'm going to report this guy because he because was he, violent against because me. Because he didn't realize it was his fault. That's literally impossible. He had, oh my Cooper God. Cooper literally had to set him straight. Oh, I was don't like, know. I'm not going to sign that. You can't come in here and treat these people this way. And then he dropped it. But, then but he, he needed to be told that because he's just not used to it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's right no, or I justified. I know you're not saying But what right. I'm saying is it's, he comes from a different world. So when he made the, like, look at him, look at him when he makes the knuckle dragging comment. Uh-huh. He's got a big old grin on his face. He's smiling and he's laughing. He thinks of it as this is the smart ass thing I'm saying and it's funny and, and if there were people around, they'd appreciate it. But he says it, and that's what pushes Truman over the edge to the point where he grabs him by the collar. Mm-hmm. And then that's the moment that kind of shocks uh, Ro- well, Albert into... Why does that into... shock him and not the punch in the face? Because he didn't know him. Punch in the face happens almost immediately. Does it? It's during the autopsy. It... Yeah, but I thought they met outside the autopsy. I thought they yeah, met. But in a... they didn't meet. They don't know each other. He's coming into a brand new dead body, and he's coming and pissed off that I don't have enough time. Sure. He's not like now that things have settled, the dust has settled, and now we're in this ongoing long-term investigation. Rather than I was brought in to do an autopsy on this girl, mm-hmm. you haven't given me enough time. Sure. He's okay. He came in pissed off. Okay. You know I. I here's what I will say. I still don't think that I. I still believe what I said is true. That sure. like, and I, I don't, also understand. I don't why. negate it, and I agree. And I I don't negate what you're saying. Yeah. I just I think there's more honesty and validity to it than yeah. you are seeing. Yeah, because I mean I am also definitely a person who like gives shit to people I love. Mm-hmm. But that's also... I don't even think it's that he gives shit to people he loves as much as he gives shit to everybody. Uh, yeah, which I... That feels like an excuse to be an asshole. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But that's him. I mean, people are just assholes. Sure. Okay. All right. Let's stick a pin... Let's stick a fork in that one. That one's done. Okay. 
Okay, so we go back a to the front. Pin or a fork? Are we coming back to it or what? <laughs> I understood I fucked up that, that metaphor. <laughs> and I was really hoping you weren't going to call me out on it. And yet here we are. I love you, Michael. Yeah, I choose to live my life in the way of Gandhi and King. Yeah, I say that about you all the time. Big time. And I'm like, basically, if Gandhi was born in 1979, he would be Michael Greif. Oh, yeah, a lot of people say yeah. Mostly just because I don't care about food. <laughs> he subsists mostly yeah. lemon water. I'm not a big food guy. Uh-huh. So. He wears a lot more drapey clothes than you'd expect. <laughs> um, so in the uh, so we go back to the front of the station house uh, where Cooper tells James he can go home. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, uh, and it's it's very much like it's ba- like him and Hawker standing outside. And he's like, I tried to tell you I was... Tra-. And he's like, yeah, you're good. Okay. Okay, just, gotcha. Just, it's a very quick get out of here. Okay. But also it's the moment where you kind of really like, you as an audience, say goodbye to James. Emotionally, because for sure. Not at, literally, because he's going to be in your face in, for the rest of your life. the rest of this show, but literally nothing he does from here on out has any valid, like, merit, meaning, weight. Addition to the furthering storyline. Everything yeah. he does is worthless from here on out. <laughs> um, and then we have, which you notice, you're like, is Lucy playing Scrabble by herself? Yeah. And then Cooper walks up and is like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, 79? 80? Like, she starts counting. He's like, doing great as usual, Lucy, or whatever. And then we realize that uh, Cooper had assigned Lucy to try to find as many words possible that has the letters B, T, and R. Yeah. Um, and then... This is a great... Exchange also very elevated language exchange of the Dick Tremaine, Hank, so or Hank, Hank, Hawk, and Lucy. Yeah. So okay. So this is our first introduction to Dick Tremaine, which is Lucy's on again, off again gentleman friend, mm-hmm. uh, who is the first time we've met him, and now we understand. So in the last episode, we found out that Lucy's pregnant. And that Andy, who is what we understand is her sole romantic interest, Uh is not sterile. Is sterile, and she's pregnant. Sure, he thought that meant he didn't have to take a bath. (laughs) That he didn't have to take a bath, but yeah. Um, And so we either he's lying, she's lying, or there's a third person with a penis involved in this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And in enters Dick Tremaine. Now, ah, Lucy, there you are. Hello, Dick. Lucy, I've always considered you to be a woman of letters. Prohibited. I say, I don't believe we met. Richard Tremaine, Horn's department store. Designer menswear. Robot. Did I do something to anger you? Not that native people have enough reason to be angry, per se. Let's go to lunch. Capital. We'll go Dutch. If this, a Dick Tremaine only existed in this episode, I would say he's a great character. And that's exactly what I mean. Like, when I was saying how they introduce these ideas that are like, this is cool. This is interesting. He's so different from, he's very foppish. He's also, this is one of, like, almost your... This goes back to your soap opera world. 
he was a prominent yes. soap opera actor. Like, yeah, he, he was in. Both I think the actor himself was a prominent soap opera actor, and the character he plays sure. is very soap opera. And he, like he, Ian Buchanan, the guy who plays him, is was on at least two, if not more, soap operas for like many years. Like, I know he was on He's got that look. General Hospital. Um, I'm gonna look it up. Young and the Restless, maybe, or Bold and the Beautiful, something like that. One of those. Something in the something. You said Ian Buchanan. Ian Buchanan, yeah. He's he, Scottish. Yeah. Oh, that makes him much hotter. Um, Bold and Beautiful, General Hospital. Yeah. Oh, he was in Panic Room. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah. But he, so yeah, so he's a prominent soap opera actor, and his character is very melodramatic. And very foppish. Very, yeah. like, vaguely feminine. He wears an ascot. Just every scene, every line delivery ends with that giant smile. And he, like, the thing is, like, he is such a strikingly handsome man. Yeah, he, like, fake handsome. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. It, it feels like somebody drew a caricature of what a handsome man would mm-hmm. look like, mm-hmm. and that is just what this man looks yeah. like. So he comes in... To the sheriff's station, though, immediately looks into, like, the glass wall. Into a no-smoking sign, which I don't know if that meant anything. It does. Oh. Oh. Good job, Jessica. Like, right after that. I don't It pays off immediately. Um, So he looks at that, and he's, like, checking his hair and Mm -hmm. stuff and looking at that. And he does, wait, I just want to point out, usually when you see people fix their eyebrows, (laughs) they go in out. He pushes pushes them against the grain. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I noticed that, too. That was super weird. I don't... I don't know who would ever adjust their eyebrows by pushing them inward. And he has prominent eyebrows. It's not like they're really thin and he's trying to like give them body or whatever. That's fucking hysterical. I'm so glad you noticed that too. Against the grain. I don't know why. That's super weird. Very good. Okay, so what what is, I don't remember what happens. So he goes in and he's talking to Lucy and she's like, why haven't you called me? All that stuff. And Hawk is there also in the window frame of where they're talking to Lucy and while Dick Tremaine is talking to Lucy, he's putting in like a cigarette into that giant filter and he's putting it in his mouth and he's ready to smoke it. And then oh. Hawk takes it, snaps the cigarette off and, and looks at Lucy and says, prohibited. Because that's a word that contains RBT. And he's looking at... And, that's very clever. And he's looking at Dick to say, you can't smoke this here. You just saw that sign. You were staring at it. This is prohibited RBT. And then... Did you just pick that up yeah, by just watching? Pick, and then... No, because they do that, as smart as I Because they I do that bit twice where then he... Uh, Dick Tremaine says something else really boring and generic. And he just looks at Lucy and just goes, robot. Which is another RBT word. Oh, I heard him say robot and I was like... I don't know what's going on. The thing with Twin Peaks, though, is so much happens that I'm like, I'm not sure what that means, and I'm not gonna like, yeah. like spin my wheels trying to figure something yeah, out that he's, ultimately he's, probably is just David Lynch being like, wouldn't it be him. funny if he said robot? He's making fun of Dick, Dick Tremaine. I got that to his face, but also like, oh no, I'm just, I'm I, just we're looking for you. words with these letters. Okay, but prohibited and robot are both okay. RBT words, man. I wish I was smarter than I, I wish I was as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> um, and so he comes to take Lucy to lunch. Is it here when she says he said? And Hawk says also like, "Oh, is this the reason Andy called off today?" 
Oh, because Andy isn't in this Andy episode Andy is not all. in this episode at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. And also he's like, let's go to lunch. We'll go Dutch. <laughs> Which is, I have no problem with people going Dutch, but it's just such a weird thing to it's, declare. Up. It's a thing that somebody like him does, A, because he's cheap, uh-huh. B, because it'll look like I'm being progressive. Oh, I thought, oh, it sounds very European going if I say du- we're going I feel like Dutch. going Dutch in the early 90s was a very, like, it, it won't be old-fashioned of me to try to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. I, I respect I'm, you. I respect your you freedom, your and you make your own money, so we'll go Dutch yeah. for you. <laughs> Not because I'm a fucking cheap ass. Yeah. And he clearly makes some money. Yeah, he So he's his, just a cheap ass. He has a very nice ascot. Sure. As, as good an ascot as I've ever seen. Sure. Besides Fred from Scooby-Doo. Uh, Leland enters, so they leave. Uh, Leland enters the office um, and talks to everybody about the picture of Bob. Says that he knows him. When he was a little boy, um, his grandfather had a... This sub- is great. Sub- oh, so good. I, 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 I love the shot where he's holding up the face mm-hmm. and it's like just at his nose. You just see his eyes peeking over the top of the flyer. Really, any scene that Leland is in he's a tremendous is, actor. It elevates Too everything. Good for this show. Oh my God. Um, so Leland enters. Uh, he says that he knows him when he was a little boy. His grandfather had a summer home. Did they ever say where it was? Pearl Lakes. But like locally, I, we assume. We don't know. I, I, I assume. Because. Okay. In the same day, Hawk goes to check it out and comes back. Yes. Okay, that's fair. Um, so I assume it's just like, oh, an hour north of here sure, or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Like if we had a place in Wisconsin. Yeah. We don't. Sort of. Parents. My parents' house? Yeah. That's not us having a place in Wisconsin. When they're gone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, um, and Bob was his neighbor, and he says, okay, to our right was this house, and that was this family. It wasn't them. To our left was this house, and this was this family. It wasn't them. Mm-hmm. And then there was a white house. Yeah, there was and, a vacant lot, and then a white house. Um, and he I thinks think the their name, name was, was Robertson. Robertson. Uh, Cooper sends Hawk to the lake. To and, well, that's what Cooper also realizes, RBT. RBT, yeah. And he immediately puts that together. Yeah. Um, Cooper sends Hawk to the lake to investigate. Leland says that Bob... I really liked this whole scene. Um, Leland says that Bob used to flick matches at him and say, do you want to play with fire, little boy? There's... You can... We can find the links to this on um, YouTube. But a guy... We met him briefly at Twin Peaks Fest. We saw one of his movies. He's made, I think, three installments now. Um, His name is Thor Amelie. Thora? Thor Amelie, oh. I think I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, but he's making he's made short films called. Uh, you can't s- spell Amelie, can you? A- I think it's just A M L I. Oh, so Amelie. Yeah. We are the art life. He made something called Summer Summer House at Pearl. Summer House at Pearl Lake. Okay. And I think it's two or three installments of that, and it's basically a fan film. But they're really good fan film mm-hmm. of Leland as a boy and the matches being flicked at him. Do you want to play with fire, little boy? Yeah. All this stuff. It's, it's basically the... That it's, sounds familiar. Really Did we see that? We, we watched one... Because we watched one at, at movie night, that Friday night. There was movie night. Oh, yeah. And we watched a bunch of short films and commercials and stuff from people who were in... 
Twin Peaks. Yes. And yes, we watched yes, a bunch yes, of those yes. things. And then there was a huge lull. They couldn't get the people there. It was taking fucking forever. We were supposed to watch a racer head, but then all of a sudden it was like midnight and we we're Y'all, like, fuck, that's we're going home. That was the yeah. most buck wild night. Yeah. So what happened was So, so we didn't end up watching a racer head, but we watched all those <laughs> short films and stuff they played beforehand. And one of the short films was that. Um so Twin Peaks Fest, which we went to in twenty eight eighteen. Um was it, the cool thing about how it was is everybody just sort of like glommed around um uh, what were the falls names? I forgot. Snoqualmie? Snoqualmie Falls. And so the weekend was just everywhere all around the, the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of them, one of the nights was there was this little, um, very small, very old-fashioned kind of uh, a movie house. And it was like, okay, we're going to watch. It was the North Bend Theater, I think it was North called. Bend Theater. Um, and so we're like, okay, we're going to watch all these things were roping off the main center of this theater. And it was, what would you say? Probably like 200 people maximum, if, if that. Uh, it, was a, it felt very like a 1960s theater. And so there was a roped off center in the middle where like the cast would sit because there was a huge number of cast members. The, they called them celebrities. So it was like oh, okay. cast crew. What cast crew, yeah, the yeah people producers. Who were, the people who, like, because Sabrina Sutherland was yeah, there yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So the, the people who were brought on as, like, the celebrities of Twin Peaks Fest. Right. And so they all sat down. We all watched these. It was, like, commercials that people were in before and after Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was a lot of We watched of fun. the whole um, coffee commercial, cam- the Japanese coffee commercial campaign. Yes, yes. That was Twin Peaks themed, which are great if you've never seen those. Mm, so good. Those are good. Um, and then they're like, okay, we're going to have quick intermission, like, grab a drink, grab some popcorn or whatever, and then we'll meet back here in 20 minutes. And, like, fucking two hours it, went it by. It was, yeah, there was a whole, I don't know what it was. We started to try to figure, there was a whole ordeal about some of the people couldn't come or some people had to go back and they were driving people to and from the, th- and then it was just like, I, I'm too fucking, like, it was already been a long two days. Like, it started at 8 p.m. I'm fucking exhausted. Yeah. And it was, this at this point it was like 10.30, which doesn't sound late, but it was like two days of being out in the sun all day. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm, and then I'm it's, if you, if I sat and tried to watch a racer head after this, I would fall asleep. Well, and then it turned out that, and the thing was what we, my understanding was like they the celebrities all went off to do something and were supposed to come back and they just didn't, didn't come back. Yeah. And instead of saying like, okay, we're going to cut our losses. Let's yeah. just start this movie. They can come back if they want. They're like, no, 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 we're going to wait. And we're like. Well, I'm not going to hang out in a movie theater. Yeah, it's not like I need them to be there. Right, like, right. They, it's a movie. We're just watching a movie. Like. And also, not to be like crass about it, but it wasn't at a bar, so it's not like we're all hanging mm-hmm. out, like, like shooting That's the shit in I mean. the bar. Like, we're all like if, sitting in If seats. they were there or not there, I would not have known. Right. Yeah. But even if like, oh, we're going to wait an hour and a half. Like, if we're at a bar, I can like bullshit with people at sure. a bar, but this like is specifically and not were made terribly to. uncomfortable chairs. Oh my, like, I mean, they were, yeah, this is The old time movie theater, yeah. Um, and then it turned out they had all just like gone to a party together and for whatever reason whoever was like pulling the trigger on that didn't say like well they're you know cut them out we're yeah. done with them let's just watch this movie together so I'm, not, I'm sure they still watched it but Mikey and I bailed pretty hard yeah they played it I just whatever I've seen Eraserhead yeah uh, I had I'll never seen I had never seen it and that was like that at that point I was like that would have been great but yeah, I really wanted to see it, but I at know. the point that I was like, I'm ready. To we were, be done we were cranky at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I'm cranky. Let's yeah. go. Yes, we were. Really Move cranky. on. <laughs> <sighs> oh, we want to play with fire, little boys. Where we got that? Um, yeah. So 
summer the what is it called again summer ho- summer home summer home at pearl lakes or something like that um, we'll link to it but those watch those movies they're good the summer and did i get that right is it thor amli uh, a-m-l-i amli okay. uh the summer house at pearl lakes summer house at pearl lakes okay um, they're interesting they're really really well done you know what you know i don't remember it that well that was the night we had our first bottle of pursued by bear <laughs> Huh? We that's, did, we, that's why I wasn't we did have a bottle as of, focused as I could have been. The problem is not that. It was... A little bit that. That we had a... we sh- Right before we went into theater, we shared a bottle of Pursuit by Bear, Cabernet, in like 105 <laughs> degree weather. And like, wine can be a great summertime thing. A, a heavy cab... In 100 degree weather. And we were in a, the, the, like the. Uh, is not ideal. We weren't sitting outside, but it was like an open. Yeah, it was an indoor, thing. like there was no like AC, like it was, it was yeah. hot. Uh, and yeah. it was not, but it was like, what better time to buy this bottle that we had never tried before. And we've been saving for a vacation, yeah. so we like was, could afford it. Yeah, so it was like 100. I mean, we, could, can't have I think it was a, we couldn't afford it, but It was like, like 150 bucks or something, yeah, I think, per bottle at the restaurant. Obscenely expensive. But it was like, what better time to do that yeah. than at Twin Peaks Fest? And we like wine, and like yeah. it was just a nice. And it was, it was great. It was a wonderful bottle oh, of wine. so fun. But it also good. like. With the heat and everything compounded, it was just I was done. It, yeah, I'm we were. Tired. Yeah, we were very much done. Um, and and that's from me who is like never say die when it comes to like there's people around. I have to stay awake oh, God, and have yeah. the most fun anyone could have. Um, okay, so we cut to the uh, the double R diner. I'm more of an always say die. <laughs> yes, Mikey is never be alive, yeah. and I'm never say die, and that's why we have a big enough home yeah. that we can be separate. I would, I would fail as a goonie. Oh my god, you'd be the worst Goonie, especially if you threw away Even though my name is Mikey, <laughs> you know? It's Mikey. One time, <laughs> one time Mikey woke up, I don't know if you're like still drunk from the night before or what was going on, but you just started saying the Chad's Bucket or whatever. Troy's Bucket. Troy's Bucket. <laughs> Speech. Yeah, why like, did that happen? Unclear. You honestly were probably still drunk for the night I before. I might have just been drunk, yeah. <laughs> and but I, and yeah. I had never seen Goonies, and he's like... All of that changes the minute we ride up <laughs> Troy's bucket. Yeah, you were like, it's, the whole, our, it's like, our time. It's our time. I was yeah. like, what, baby? <laughs> you. It was probably literally just that you said something about like, oh, well, we got to do this because it's our time to... Yeah. <laughs> And I said, it's our time. It's our time. And then just ran off on that whole speech. Oh, my goodness. All that changes the minute we ride up Troy's bucket. (laughs) And then I watched that movie and I was like, yeah, if I'd seen that when I was a kid, I bet I would have liked it. Oh, don't. No, you know, we hated when we watched as adults was um, the vampire one. Lost Boys. Oofa doofa. That movie does not. I I don't think people still think it does. I'm not a big Lost Boys fan. Anyway, I thought you were a big Lost Boys fan. That's I what was, made me why you were like really upset that I hadn't me, seen but it. But I think it's still people still love it. I don't know. Yeah, the thing with when Mikey and I were dating, he's six years older than me, so our like childhood movies were just off by a couple of years. So I had never seen Lost Boys, never seen Goonies. Goonies is still yeah. Goonies, I think just you maybe should escaped. Have. Me. That's but like was Who Framed Roger Rabbit a thing you like oh, grew yeah. up? In? Oh, I love well, that then, what the fuck do I know? Um. Okay. Okay. So James, oh, Lucy and Dick are at the counter at the Double R Diner. Now it does get tricky. A request for a vulcanized Macintosh, for instance. Now does that file under R for rain gear or W for waterproof? My familiarity with the inventory finds me leaning towards an R. <laughs> 
Uh, Dick talks about his method for memorizing customer orders, which was perfectly boring. Like, in a way that and, I was, like, amusing to And he clearly to. doesn't care if she's listening. It was just, I want to hear myself speak. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, and that, God, I love shit. I love when they, like, actually broadcast that on a show or a movie because I feel like I encounter so many people IRL mm-hmm. who, like, are like that and are keenly unaware of how fucking boring oh, yeah. they are. Do I put this under W for waterproof or R for rain gear? Um, but it was a perfectly, it was like weirdly, it wasn't interesting, but I was like, okay, I'm listening the, to what you're saying, the dude. The best though is the, the bit where he, and he's like, Lucy. And he, and he has a moment where like, maybe she's not listening. I'm going to engage her. <laughs> Lucy, can I ask you something? Does it bother you that I don't switch my fork to my right hand when I eat? Lucy, may I ask you something? Do you find it odd that I don't switch my fork when I eat? That I lift it to my mouth with my left hand? My mother calls it piling. Actually, it's not odd at all. It's the European way. I just I just raised my left hand that's to my mouth. I think and it was so like, huh? If this was my only encounter oh. with Dick Tremaine, that's what, it's it great. truly he would, it's might great. be one of my favorite He's characters. He's great. Because that is such a boring... Because he has, he has a, like a very Frasier cadence uh-huh. that it's not... It's like... It's like, it's like mid-Atlantic, right? It's not British, <laughs> and, but it's yeah. heightened. I love, But I love... So he does this big grandiose way of asking a really stupid question and then Lucy just like folds her arms and is like my mom calls it piling like I know about that the thing is it's I have, so good I've been Lucy so many oh, times that somebody says something to me and I literally I have said two men's faces this is boring I don't I, care I'm and they don't even hear me very honestly surprised that this was written by a man shocked it really. But it was feel- also directed by a woman. Okay, there you go. That's true. That's that's very true, because it it feels like a very f- feminine sensibility of like the way she reacts to him and all of that stuff. You're right. It's probably coming directly from Leslie Linkletter. Because I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I have literally been Lucy when somebody yeah. like a. I specifically I remember I was at a at a work trip um, in Houston. And I was at a bar and this guy wouldn't stop talking at me, and I would keep saying like, "This is very boring," and yeah. he just didn't hear me because he didn't care. I was a sounding board for him. I wasn't a human that he was yeah. trying to engage. Um. Oh my God. It's just. It's just so real. And yeah. I, and I thought I was fucking hysterical when he was like, "Do you, do you think it's weird that I do yeah. this?" That it, which like my mom calls it piling. Which <laughs> like, like it's. I mean, he's not wrong. What he does is very European. That's like how. The- and, but then like she says a thing, which should be a conversation starter. My mom calls it piling. Even regardless of her intention of the delivery of that line. Why does your mom have a term for that? Oh, so you do know about it. Is your instead, European? instead, it's not weird at all. It's European. It's I don't care what you said. I'm gonna continue with my. Phone. Finally, you gave me a springboard to say another thing I was thinking right, about. Right, exactly. And it's it's a great. And then even so, that all obviously builds to. It's been six weeks, Dick. You said you were gonna call. I know. 
I lost your phone number. I work for the sheriff. You could have dialed 911. Well, see, I do apologize. I've been so terribly busy. Honestly, I've hardly had time to feed my cat. <laughs> we went out every Thursday night for three months. You made promises to me. You said you were going to take me to dinner at the Space Needle in Seattle. Even though you took me to family night at the Pancake Plantation instead, I still couldn't help but think that it meant something special. Well, in fact, the only thing special we did that night was drink two bottles of champagne and end up on a display bed in Horn's Home Furnishings. Why haven't you... She's... Does the whole, why haven't you called why me? Haven't you called? We've been together every Thursday night. Every Thursday night. For... Eventually, we hooked up together on a bed in Horn's department store. Grocery. Right. Um, it's but especially because we know that they weren't using protection because that's how she got knocked up. Yeah. And so, ew, they had unprotected sex on this gross mattress. So there's just like, but it also, oh, it's it, like it's weight on it. Ex- explains the whole, How'd they slept together once. And he never well, it again. explains why he's not calling. He, he got what he wanted. Yes, yes. See, I feel terribly upset. Really, I do. Let me make it up to you. Like how, for instance? For starters, I know I promised you a new dress at my 20% employee discount. After lunch, I'll go right back and arrange something with Miss Bulbo in women's wear. Something very special indeed. Oh, yeah? How about a maternity dress? Pardon? I'm pregnant, Richard. Pregnant. Preggers. Hmm. And so they do this thing, and he's like, "Well, what I'll do to make it up to you is my twenty percent employee discount." And she has that great delivery of, "Why don't you make it a maternity dress?" And he and he looks at her with just this utter like, "I don't, I don't know. Why would I do that?" What he was thinking of, like. Oh, you're not that fat. That was genuinely what I think he yeah, had in his head. Legitimately, either that or like, well, I don't understand why I would do that. I'll just get you a good dress. Yeah. I you don't have to get a weird dress. You're not that fat. Yeah, like it's just like just didn't like so far over it. Because he didn't care to. Because he exactly about it. didn't care. Um, <laughs> so she reveals that she's pregnant, and but this. Yeah, and doesn't I, he just? Oh, I never what does made he say? the Leslie Lincoln letter connection, but like this is a great mm-hmm. feminine insight. Yes, to a, a scene that because I was like, I'm surprised. Like, I wonder how much it got rewritten on set. The thing or is, anything. or is it was it written that way? And it just this was. I mean, the interpretation of those words. If was I had very to wait different. for a guess, you, I think you could interpret if that script is just on the page, mm-hmm. you can interpret it. As a way of, like, Lucy is not really, like, is looking at him and is, like, mumbling under her breath and, like, purposely sure. making it so she can't hear it. It's, like, an aside. And right. so he doesn't realize yeah, yeah, yeah. it. But she just, sure. like, says it out loud. And Leslie yeah. Glitter understands, like, no, oh, no, it doesn't no. matter how this loud she a is. Voice. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter how loud she is. He's not listening to her, so he's sure. not going to hear her. Sure, yeah. Um, great, great scene, though. Wonderful scene. Wonderful scene and genuinely, like, I wish Dick Tremaine was... And, and like, honestly, this is one of the best scenes, I think, in this show for being progressive and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And it's with one of the worst characters overall, which is Dick Dick Tremaine. Tremaine. But... 
I think the problem with Dick Tremaine is he's very one-dimensional, which works for this scene. Yeah. But if you're trying to make him a reoccurring character, you have to give him, like, motivation and depth and a background, and he just does not... He seems to have... He's just the the rich asshole who yeah, he works seems at the to have sprung store. out of the ground as a forty yeah. year old fop, and like that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a childhood. He doesn't have a family. He's yeah. just completely one dimensional. Um, boop boop boop. Okay, so now uh, also in the diner. So we're still in double R. Uh, James and Maddie are at the diner on the same. They're same ciders. Which I know, did you say that when you were serving tables? No. When people but sat on the I, same I side of the booth. Yeah. Booth, I fucking hated it. <laughs> one time I had we're call, a, we're, you, the person. We're calling you out. Yes, if you're that person, we don't like you. We're calling you out. Um, I remember. It's weird. And I hate it. <laughs> I remember. I had a. I worked in an Italian place um, in the city uh, in Chicago for a while, and I had a manager who was like, like I'm Italian. He was like aggressively Italian. And he would, and everybody, if you work in a restaurant, you always say, like, I hate when people do X. I hate, oh, I hope, I hate when people exist. Yes, basically. Like, I hate when people do anything besides just give me money just and leave in, me alone. Just walk in, give me a shitload of tips and leave. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> That's the ideal. And people always want shit. And he, I think his name was Frank. He was complaining about when people would cut up their spaghetti oh, and yeah. eat it like that. And I was like, what's worth? Same ciders is what we called people who uh-huh. sat on the same side of the booth. Same side as people cut the spaghetti. And he, like, looked at me and he thought about it. Like, he put yeah, thought into yeah. this. And he was like, you know what? Eat your food however you want. I don't want to fucking look at you on the same side of the booth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if they did both? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, my God. And honestly, probably the but, crossover like, is possible. I get it. But at least, like, this provides for a great two-shot. Like, course. I get this the point of it. This sense. It's and you, we're looking at a budding romance between these two people. We're yeah. making Donna uncomfortable by them being physically close to each other. Of course it makes sense. And line of dialogue James will ever deliver. Does he say what? No, when he says, <laughs> oh, I sometimes just... I think I should just get on my bike and go. And we're like, And yes, the entire <laughs> audience claps because, like, if this was one of, the, if this was like Rocky Horror Picture Show or something, you know yeah, what I mean? That would everyone be like, in the theater, everyone will be clapping and be like, get on your bike and go! <laughs> like, everybody wants him to leave, you know what I mean? That's what it feels like. Like, it's just so, because, like, it, like, it really feels like in this episode, Every scene he's in, they're saying goodbye to James. Yes. Because they're like, we don't know what to do with this guy. And whatever happens is gonna be bad. (laughs) And it is. That line makes me think of like when like Me Too was first like coming out and men were like, what am I just like not supposed to talk to women? And we're like, yeah, no, please. If that's don't. how you talk to them, yes. Yes, please. Yeah. And it's the same, like maybe I should just leave. Yes, please. Finally. You yeah. get it. We're yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Please go. You don't ever talk to me oh, again. Oh no, don't go. No, no, no. I'm no, never no, gonna no. say that. Go. I don't want you <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> um yeah. uh, James asks about Donna's smoking. I don't remember that. Uh James tells uh about He's just complaining about Donna. Cool. Cool as usual, James. Yeah. Uh, James tells Donna's visit to the prison. Don't remember that either. And how she wants... L- oh, 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 the, oh Where oh, she sucked oh. on his knuckle. Yes, and yes, she, yes, like, yes, she's, yes. She's just been different lately. Yeah. She want, She seemed to want him through the bars. Okay, I remember... For some reason, I was thinking, like, did Donna, like, visit somebody in prison? Like, in the... And, I mean, prison isn't the right word. But no, in the whole... In, like, <laughs> the shitty holding, holding cell. Holding cell, yeah. But, yeah, but, like, where she's, like, sucking on his knuckle and... Um, like also like 
they just abandon that whole storyline. Oh, yeah. Not storyline, but like, oh, Donna's turning into like wanting to be Laura. She turned into a very like femme fatale thing. Yeah, but like trying to take Laura's place and then immediately we're like. But don't we- you think Donna immediately just turned that into Harold? She just got bored with James because James is the pits. Well, she, but like in this episode, and so she's still, she's not wearing the sunglasses. She's not smoking. Sure. As soon as she picks up the meals on wheels, she just like gives up on that whole femme fatale thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like, also, here's the storyline really we were going to, we were going to launch. Nah, it's not working. Let's do something else. I, with I just her. don't think being like a femme fatale necessarily has legs. It works for a movie, but if you have to like it, show somebody's yeah, death, it doesn't even work for that. But yeah. like, and like going, and then the, the scene in the, the graveyard where she's like yelling at Laura, like yeah, I loved that scene. Is, but it's like the opposite of that. Instead of like her wanting to be Laura and take her place she's at, after she's gone, like now, like I mean, I guess it could just be stages of fucking grief or whatever. Yeah. But I'd read a paper about Donna's stages sure, of grief with the sure. road to Laura. Um, Madeline ho- uh, holds James' hand, hand, and Donna enters, misunderstanding the gesture. I don't think she misunderstood it. I think she just saw what it was. Um, she um, she does this like really fun monologue about how she likes Harold because he's like a grown up. Basically, yeah. is uh, he's deep. He's interesting. He doesn't leave his house. Well, and she's like super snark. Like the best is she delivers that line like the way it's like, well, he's not a fucking total idiot. Yeah. And James is like, what? Who? (laughs) He literally goes, huh? Like, like, no, no, I'm talking specifically about you, James. And he just so far over his head. Um, (laughs) uh, And so she busts out of there and sort of, I, I think that's her like, Closing the door on any, it, it, and I don't remember this. To me, this well, is a much longer closing the door on. It's James. weird because it seems like she's closing the door, but then later comes back and sees, catches them kissing or whatever, and then yeah. is, is and seemingly her, affected by that. In her defense, that still fucking sucks. It sucks, but at the same, like I don't know. Also, cinematically, a great reveal. So good. The so way the we're way not there. We're not okay. there yet, Michael. Sorry. Continue. Um, so we're back at the uh, at One-Eyed Jack's um, oh, maybe yeah. the most boring part of this episode Blackie and Emery tie up Audrey Emery takes a video of her um, all of the heroin they stuff try to so. they inject her with heroin was this the scene when um, what's his face gives her chocolate and I wanted to murder him it's, it's caramel but yeah fuck we have so much this, this is a new character this is Jean Renault, the brother oh of okay so, so I'm wrong okay um, so they argue whether the plan will work. Who cares about that? At the station house, the one-armed man shows Harry's selection of boots, um, and then he sees a picture of Bob and reacts really strongly. He asks to go to a bathroom. He has some medication. He has, me- yeah. Uh, Shelly then is meeting with Harry and Cooper. This is in Harry's office, um, and they ask for a statement regarding Rhea, Leo. Excuse me. She refuses to say anything against him. Um, Cooper kind of like gives her the boot in a way that I in a in a great yeah, and and Truman's like. What we need to get her to make a statement? Yeah, in in a way, I feel like is done often very effectively, both in real life and in shows. Of like, like she's playing. It's almost. It felt to me like she was playing coy and wanting them to ask follow up questions. I'm not gonna. And do then as this. soon as he plays along, she doesn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, "Oh, you want to go? Okay, fucking cool. see you, get never, out of here. nerd." 
And she's like, wait, what? She's and very confused. And so face. is Truman. Like, what? Yeah. And he's like, I smell insurance fraud. Yes. Um, he believes there's a reason to be an insurance scam, but he's not sure who he knows that. Which, oh, not my favorite bit, but he's like, she didn't think of this by herself. It was obviously <laughs> some senior high school football jock who... I, be, I mean, he doesn't put it on Bobby. No, but he says she didn't think of this up by herself, which was not my favorite. Yeah, I. but I think that's... that's. I think, I think that tracks. I don't think that's a misogynistic thing. I think that's... Had she thought of this... She would have been more prepared for this statement. Okay. Thing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's I fair. think she would have been more. I know how to handle this. This is how I'm planning it, and she would have been more forceful with it. Sure. And the fact that she's, uh, I was told not to say anything. Sure. Sure. That's sure. her approach to it. So I think. Okay. Yes. That's where he picks up on. There's an external presence. That's fair. Don't know who it is. Yeah. But there's somebody else pulling the strings here. What we need is a jock. Okay. Um, the one-armed man is in. Maybe the largest bathroom that any station house has ever seen. Yeah, there's like seven men's stalls, there which is crazy. More stalls than employees, for sure. Oh god, yeah. And like, there's two or three urinals, one of which is broken. Mm-hmm. But then like seven stalls, yeah. which in a men's bathroom is, is insane. Yeah, it's yeah. wild. Um, he so he's in a stall. He struggles with his quote unquote medicine. He's got a syringe. Um, mm-hmm. Not to say syringes aren't necessarily medicine, but it did not feel medicinal. It felt druggy right I'm, no they, I mean they get oh, in, they get into what it is okay um, and that that I guess I just am not aware of a lot of medications that are like not I do this every day or every X it's I like mean, insulin yeah but insulin you generally you don't also go like oh I'm feeling this I have to usually like oh I take this after every meal and after it's 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 yeah. less like I'm feeling like this so sure. I need to do this and not prevent and it and they get into what that is I don't remember the necessarily the details of that and but also I don't know you know 30 years ago sure. worth That's how fair. different things were or whatever but the the sound design of this scene very good is like there's this weird kind of underlying everything that he's saying yeah it really resonates Um, and he's just kind of bouncing from stall to stall this says he has a seizure i didn't recognize it as being a seizure it's it felt more like seizure might not be the right word but i don't know that there is a word for what happens so he seizes right and he kind of spasms a little bit he pounds back and forth in the different stall doors he drops the syringe mm-hmm. so the syringe is still full he basically what happens is he didn't take that medication and something happened yes and so when he comes out so of it there should have been a preventative medication right that he missed and so he steps out of there and he steps out different yes he's yes. a different and that reveal person. was masterful because we were looking at an overhead shot of the stall right and, and as he's sort of like seizing up or or whatever spasming it pulls out and goes down to the front of the stall door. Creeps open. You just see that slowly. Oh, so eerie. Like, like one finger at a time yeah. wraps around the stall door. Opens it's it very and well he's... Just smooth, cool mm-hmm. as a cucumber. Yeah, like whatever's going uh, on is done. He's different. Yeah, but he not even it, not even that it, it's done. Something changed. Yes, he. The, I meant it's done. The like person the who se- went into that stall door is not the same person who came out. Yeah, I he said he talks to Bob and says he's after him now. Um, 
Okay, this I don't remember. Cooper follows a marching band out of the hotel elevator and tells Ben about Audrey's phone call, asking if there's trouble at home. Yeah. That I don't was the marching band. Like, that's just a goofy... Sure. They open the elevator door, marching band is in there. He doesn't really follow them. Sure, okay. But it's just um, another Im- instance of, like, what you are talking about last week, where... There's always something, there's always something happening in the hotel. Yeah. Um, so Cooper asks... Yeah, so Cooper asks Ben, so who's Audrey's... So Audrey yeah. had stuck off to, to One-Eyed Jacks, mm-hmm. where she's kidnapped. Ben does not give a flying fuck about his own daughter. Right. Um, says, and he's like, I, and Cooper kind of said, like, I feel like I have a bond with Audrey. And he's like, you're yeah, you do. fucking my 16-year-old daughter. Cool. Pew, pew, she pew, has pew, that pew, effect pew. on dudes. Mr. Cooper, do I detect a note of uh, something outside the scope of professional concern here? Audrey and I have struck up an acquaintance. Acquaintance? Agent Cooper. Let me give you the best advice that you're going to get all week. Men fall under the spell of Audrey's charms like ducks in a shooting gallery. And if you don't want a load of buckshot in your tail feathers, may I suggest that you park your jalopy outside of somebody else's window? Mr. Horn, if I've overstepped my bounds with my concern, I apologize. I am here with only the best intentions. <laughs> that is achingly clear. And not unappreciated. I'll put a lamp in the window. You'll be my first call when she comes home to roost. Cooper's taken fully aback. Yes. Like, I'm sorry if I overstepped. I'm just trying to save your daughter's fucking life. Yeah, she's missing. And Ben's like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> Uh, warns him to keep away from Audrey. Nailed that scene. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> oh, an Asian man eavesdrop on the conversation yeah. follows Cooper. I didn't realize. That's what I was saying about how this guy. I don't remember him being in this one. He, that, I mentioned, that's what I was saying. Like, this was, I think, the third, if not the fourth installment of him being, I three that I can think of for sure. Yeah. Of, I mean, I guess it's every episode of season two, probably. Yeah. Um. He's. He's, he, who is this guy? Yeah. He's credited as jam? Asian man in the in the <laughs> fucking credits of the episode. Like, who is this guy? And then he comes in, he plays a role, but also like, you give this guy like multiple like teases of. It's almost like they didn't know who he was going to be. Like, what if an Asian we're, guy was watching this? Yeah, like, we're, we'll figure out who Wouldn't this guy is later, wild? but he's going to be spying for some reason. Yeah. Don't know what yet. That's because his, me, because his payoff is so weak com- yeah. compared to his buildup. Um, okay, uh, so we go back to one eye. Jax, Audrey's lying on her bed. A man named Jean pulls a veil from her face and, like, sh- oh, this. They do it. There is a cool. POV where he's lacing the... Yeah, for sure. Okay, we're back. We might have just recorded about 30 minutes and I wasn't recording it, so we weren't recording at all, but here we are. We're talking about how fucking gross that guy is with with Audrey. Jean Renault. It was the fucking worst. Um, It really yucked me out in a big way. I'm skimming back up till we find what we're looking for. Okay. Well, we got it. Like, okay. Okay. Let's just skim through. Um, but I don't want to skip because you hit the the one arm man stuff, which is yes, okay. pivotal. Um. So a woman stands nearby holding his tools. So this is when we understand, like, 
Oh, yeah, the, hero, the heroin stuff we can skim. That's, yeah, that was boring. This and is a little bit forced. It's it's a reminder Audrey's still involved, but we're subduing her. Yes, she's for now. literally sedated for a bit. Yeah. Heroin for us seems to be the least practical way of sedating yeah, somebody. I, it's you give me a Benadryl every four hours, you have the same effect. Right, I'm not and, waking up. And we talk about like so in the pilot episode. There was like that whole exchange between Blackie and Jerry about how like you're holding out on me and give me more heroin. Not the pilot episode, the premiere. Of the this premiere. That, sorry, the the not the pilot, but the pre- season two premiere. But like you're holding out on me. You're holding out on me. Oh, like clearly so heroin isn't like easy to come by, yeah. but they have enough to just like dope Audrey up whenever they want. Yeah, like, and there's cannot be clear enough better ways to do that. Uh, yeah, it's stupid. Um, so Cooper enters Harry's office. He's got coffee and donuts. He's uh, Harry says that Josie called saying that she'll be back the next day. Um, and then this is an an exchange I really really like. So Harry's like, I would like to see her first, and Cooper is like, we can't. I can't have I can't have you being. We can't let our personal lives get in right. the way of the, this. And it was a very. The, I think it speaks so much to this um, this uh, 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 relationship that these two mm-hmm. men have. That is, you can say bromance. I wouldn't say bromance because <laughs> I think that's mildly homophobic. You think? I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. That was just the thing I thought. It just because it <clears throat> because it. it makes it seem like close male friendships. Are need a label as opposed to just like you can just be like close friends with boys. Eh. Anyway, um, but it, it, it says that this relationship, this friendship, this this um, uh, professional working relationship they have is really founded on respect. Because he says, "I am concerned that you are too close to this. Mm-hmm. Are you too close to this?" And Harry says, "No." And he's like, "But yeah, in a very like, no, no, no." I got this. I'm going to talk to her first. Right. And Cooper's like, hey, hey, hey. All right. You got my blessing. Yeah. It's fine. But but I just really respect yeah. the way. It just feels like the way I can talk with my friends of mm-hmm. like, are you looking for advice or are you looking for support right, right. now? Um, I want to make sure that we're all here on the same page. And like, mm-hmm. I respect you, but also, you know, I'm coming at this objectively. Um, Hawk says he found a boarded up house by the lake it's white he's trying to figure out who it was he said it's gonna what take- yeah, they, they couldn't get a name there was no name on the mailbox or anything blatant um they've reached out to utilities and it'll it'll be at least tomorrow morning before yeah. we hear the formal the the record of who, of who actually owns the right. place harry mentions have they seen gerard which i think it's wild because ostensibly gerard was selling shoes to harry mm-hmm. went to the bathroom and well, then just, just never came back. So either, either Harry has a bunch of right shoes in his office still. Yeah, just that whole display because that whole display is yeah, yeah. still he, there. He like set up a thing. Oh, is, is it? Is it still? I can mean, we see seemingly. It? No, we can't see it. But like, if he never came back, it's all still there. Or Harry was just not concerned that a guy was in the bathroom for like twenty <laughs> minutes in a police station. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like not his best detective work. Well, I I think you're just. It was probably a long time, and then what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, the guy left. Oh, you know what you would do? Go check in the bathroom. <laughs> well, I, he's, I think he checked. Oh, I think he's gone. He meant he meant he he just never came back. Like, sure. I, I, I would have checked, but he never came. I don't know. He, sure. he had to, maybe he was sick. He had to go. Yeah. I don't know. So they search he's the bathroom. He's just a shoe salesman. I don't care. And they find Gerard's uh, needle. 
Um, and Cooper leaps to, without chemicals, he points, which to me feels like a an extraordinary leap of... of you, you say that, but I feel I like... Say that. Right. I heard you. Mm-hmm. Just now you said it. Yep, sure did. Uh, <laughs> but he picks up a needle full of chemicals. Okay. There's... So what this is getting at is stuff you find out in in the next. I think it's the next episode. I assume it's the next episode. But when Philip Gerard doesn't take his medication, his chemicals, something happens. Mm-hmm. And what happens is what points. It's well, it takes away what points. If he's if he has the chemicals, he does not point right without chemicals. So he when he is not drugged up. That's the, that's who we need to talk to. So that's why he says we need to find Philip Gerard. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then there's that, and then there's all the uh, chemicals that were unused in a needle, which is a point. Like I think there's a lot of things that suggest. Sure. We need this is a this is what we need to follow. This is the third clue. It's not as obvious, yeah. but it's something we need to follow to find out what it means, mm-hmm. and it becomes more obvious when. They do meet with Philip Gerard and sure. find out what it what that means. Uh, so we're back in the hospital. Nadine is handcuffed to her bed with a, by our favorite orderly, Mullet Magoo. Mullet, oh, Mullet Magoo. I thought it was Mullet McGee. Yeah, no, no, no. He's uh, he's Irish and not Scottish. Oh, my bad. <laughs> he's got that sweet gray mullet. Oof, that mullet. Leather and not not handcuffed, but like. I mean. It's they're like with, they're like your typical leather restraints. Yeah, they're not, they they're not cuffs, but they are. They're heavy duties because uh, Doc Kayward tells Big Ed that she ripped through two pairs of leather restraints the prior night, yeah. and that her adrenaline levels are extremely high. Um, he asks Ed to sing or talk to her, and Ed's like, "Well, if I'm gonna sing to her, I'd rather it just be her and me." <laughs> Ed's the best. It is the fucking best. And I, and you're gonna, you Doc Hayward, you're gonna leave, and yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna like, sing <laughs> my favorite song from the public domain. <laughs> On top of old Smokey. Like nobody... I've never heard the real version of that song. I've only ever heard the. On top of spaghetti. The, On top of spaghetti, or on whatever all the ones that kids sing. Yeah. On top of all smoky, all covered in blood. That was a thing in oh, school. Oh, you guys! Were I shot my I shot my poor teacher. No, you never did that one. No, it was on top because of, I wasn't a sociopath as an eight year old. Smoky, all covered in blood. I shot my poor teacher with an M sixteen gun. Michael. I I don't remember. I'm gonna call the FBI on your elementary school. That, but yeah, fucking a. That's of course what we did. Oh, the only kids. one I had was like Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin yeah, Hood, and Ed. That too. Batmobile lost its wheel. Joker got jo- away. Which doesn't rhyme with egg. Kids were really not that concerned about very but good rhymes. But rhymes with sleigh. Okay. Wow. I'm going to have to... Here's the thing is I'm going to have to cut out that silence when I was thinking about the lyrics of that. Don't worry about it. Let's okay. go. Um, we already cut a half an so, hour while we recorded. <laughs> honestly, we're, we're making better time this time around. <laughs> but okay, it's... Yikes! It's five o'clock. You can't go to bed yet. Um, <laughs> so as he starts singing, he's holding Nadine's hand. She starts like gripping it harder and harder. And he keeps trying to sing. Bless his heart. <laughs> Sits up, snaps his cuff, starts 
clapping in a way that I will I would argue that Old Smokey is not a song that people traditionally clap along with. It's not a really mm-hmm. rhythmic song. Um, and she starts clapping, and all of a sudden she starts cheering. or no tonsillitis, I can go to cheerleading tryouts. Cheerleader tryouts? Well, I'm a senior, Eddie. You know what they say. You're only 18 once. Um, hey, Ed, and she doesn't, she sticks her tongue between her teeth a whole lot. Like, that's her character, her 18-year-old character. And she says... You're only 18 once. She talks about how she's a senior. She's going to try out for the cheerleading team. Yeah. And then we realize Nadine woke up. <laughs> yeah, collar pull. Yeah. Ed, awkward. Mm-hmm. You know. uh, and then Cooper. Okay, so that's the end of that. That is the tee off to. Ooh, I was going to say the worst subplot. No, it's not. Okay, I think at the end of season two, we're going to like do a ranking of the worst subplots of season mm-hmm. two. Absolutely. We, we talked about it. So it's not, the, to me, the Nadine being 18. Nateen? No. The thing Michael? about it. Michael. Nateen? Her name's Nadine. She's 18. The thing about 18? it. The thing about it that I don't like is not so much her being 18 and having superhuman strength or whatever. No, it's, you're fine with that. <laughs> it's when she hooks up with Mike that it gets real weird. Oh, I forgot about that. I wish you hadn't reminded That's me of that. That's where it gets weird. Yeah, spoilers on Nadine's Whoa. terrible line. Yeah, terrible super spoilers because, like, what pe- most people know when they're like, hey, sp- keep it spoiler free when we talk about Twin Peaks is oh. does Nadine <laughs> think she's 18 years old and hook up with Mike? Because I, if that happens, I, I don't want to know about it until it happens. Um, <laughs> uh, so then we go, uh, Jacoby, who is also still in the hospital, uh, Cooper and Harry enter his room. He's there with his Hawaiian wife, who we've not met before, who's rubbing <laughs> his feet. And I feel very comfortable about their relationship. <laughs> I don't feel like... Well, and they talk about, like... She, he, lives she still house. lives on their house in in Oahu or whatever. Whatever, yeah. So it's like, eh, is she his wife, or is she's concubine? <laughs> yeah, like that's all weird. Yeah, I mean, she seems to be there under her own volition, but she sure. certainly doesn't speak human words. So <laughs> that is also true. Uh, so Cooper helps to hypnotize Jacoby by talking him through making a real good putt. <laughs> I so. So this is great because because Jacoby provides. He's like, I've been under many times. Uh, Here's what works. Gives gives Cooper the thing to read. Gives gives Truman a rock to hold. Who Truman I mean, just does keeps it have a looking. Hole in it? It's like a geo. Yeah, yeah. Like, it seems like it has. A yeah, hole. it's yeah. got a hole. In it, but it was like Cooper just keeps and he has like, to hold it at a very specific. But height. yeah, and he keeps looking at it like I, what? What am I doing here? And Cooper's reading the 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 hypnosis. Writings or whatever, but it starts out beautiful, like this, like 
You're in this field of green, green. and there's green, and you can feel the grass underneath your feet. And the ball is 15 and the cup feet away. Is 15 from feet away, <laughs> and you're like, wait a second, what? And, and then but there's two and sand traps for, and then like Cooper's just reading, and he looks up at Truman at one point, like, are you kidding me with this shit? You hear this too, right? Uh, and then, but then also like halfway through it, they look up, and 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 Cooper has to be like, Harry. Because Harry starts falling asleep. Oh, I like, It's so good. It's just dumb um, and silly, but one of the dumb, silly moments that works for uh, me. It is the exact kind of, like, this, levity that, yeah. this, that this episode needed. Um, he walks... Jacoby walks him through... Walks Cooper through Jacques' murder. Uh, Jacoby says he knows the murderer. Again, this is one of those bits, like, we talked about... Um, David Lynch likes to do goofy, silly, weird things right before something big happens. Very serious happens. This is another, this is all silly and weird. He's golfing to hypnotize him to so that he can remember what he saw mm-hmm. when Jacques Renault was killed. Right. And then you get right up to the point of, oh, I know him. And then we cut and to... And then we cut. So we presume he told them. It, right. We don't, you know, we don't actually see what happens from there. But. Right. Um, but it provides then, for a great scene later. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and then Donna, we, we see Donna, who's at Laura's grave, who ostensibly has been buried for, this is episode 10, so at, ma- at max Ten days. a week. Yeah. Um, and it's fully overgrown. Yeah, like the whole, like there's no like fresh dirt. Grave. Like the, the, whatever grave that is has been there a while. Yeah. Like the I'm, grass is completely clean over the top. Yeah. And there's literally, I think she has to like move some like plant There's like growth. dead flowers. Yeah. yeah like, uh, so, I guess 10 days is enough for a plant to die. But yeah. like. So Donna yeah. brings the orchid to uh, Laura's grave. Also, heavy duty headstone. Oh my God. They were not. It's like, it's like eight do, inches thick and do you probably remember, So it's a Laura Palmer. I think it probably said her it's, dates. And it said. We love you. We love her or something. Or we love her? Something like that. But like a lot of it's blocked by Mm -hmm. plants in front. Um, And then she starts talking to Laura in in a way that is an exposition device, but I think a... An effective one. Specifically about Harold to start. Hey, I see why you like this guy. And about how she feels about James. Were you sleeping with him? Ha ha ha. Yeah. Um, And she, I thought, a, a really lovely and very truthful speech of... All we did, like, and it's, I think, I think most of us have had that, like, relationship with somebody that you get some distance. You're like, oh, all I did was tend to this person and their Mm -hmm. issues. And then she realized it was you, me, and James. All we did was solve your problems. All we did was think about you. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that you're gone, everything's fucked. And Mm -hmm. now I think. I'm with James and I don't care about him. I love him and he seems to care about Maddie. I don't know what's going on. I I thought this was a wonderful scene. It It was a great monologue. It's really trying to figure out who she is where she is what's yeah. going on yeah she says that she loves james but it's a mess and that laura's problems are still the center of her life which i think is a great way to sort of zero in on what donna's what's the line is. there i think we'll plug it I'll, in, pl- but... I'll drop it in as much as i love you laura most of the time we were trying to solve your problems and you know what we still are not mine or james or maddie's yours you're dead, Laura, but your problems keep hanging around. It's almost like they didn't bury you deep enough. Okay, and then James uh, visits Maddie. So they, they're at, um, not Maddie's house, but the Palmer's the house. The Palmer house. Um, he says that he can't find Donna, 
and that his mother came home and like genuinely who the fuck cares about his mother so we're not going to talk about it we never actually met her but we, we know, she's, know an she's an alcoholic and in like the most dramatic way yeah like, and not like the way most people deal with alcoholism in a way of like yeah, yeah it's fucking it's, stupid we're not gonna talk about it it's yeah it's the problem is like all of the drama of what's going on with james is about him being sad for people around him well and it's also all tell don't show yeah all he does is explain why he has feelings and oh. we don't see we just see him being mopey yeah, yeah exactly no, it's, it's it's the pits um and then they lean in to kiss and then they, hug instead. And then, but then they kiss again. And it pulls, the camera pulls a little bit to it, like a nice framed close up. So it, it doesn't it's a great seem, reveal. it doesn't seem off putting. Mm. So when their lips disconnect mm-hmm. and they separate to opposite ends of them, which is really hard to do in a four by three format. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's well, what no, I, I mean, say. The whole thing is a square. So you, you've got just less room to make all this happen. But they separate, and in the doorway behind him is Donna, Donna. who ostensibly just walked into the Palmer house. Right. She finds them. <laughs> without an invite. Just, hey, uh, yeah. my ex-best friend's dead parent's house, I'm going to just walk in and everything's going to be fine. But uh, Yeah, I, I, I think that that it's is. It's a TV I thing. think we've established that she is kind of have, has in-and-out privileges in that house. Yeah, but at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. That anyway, weird. but she sees them kiss. She pieces out of there. James chases her out. Screams, why? Into the air. Well, James, As though it's he doesn't understand. It's because why. you're smooching Donna, and yeah. now you're also smooching Maddie. Oh. That's why. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie-doodle. Uh, Jane, oh, and he throws a bunch of shit on the ground. Leland comes in like, what's going on? Rude. Which I don't understand why they even had that happen. No, it was all dumb. Uh, Leland comforts Maddie, who's upset that people think she's like Laura. To be fair, she's Laura with a wig on. I mean, that's... Well, but I, I, this is one of the first, in the few and first moments of Maddie becoming her own character. Mm-hmm. Because and what she's expressing is the same thing that we see as the audience of your your Laura with a wig on. I mean, it's it, no, it's just a moment where she becomes her own character. Of we we as an audience always see her as Laura, uh, Laura substitute, right? And so does everybody else in the town. So yeah, that's gonna have a toll, take a mm-hmm. toll on somebody, mm-hmm. and she speaks out to one of the few people who would understand that which is Leland and yeah. he does yeah. and it's a beautiful moment of like I get it and I just want it to be the way it used to be I know you do too mm-hmm. I'm sorry yeah and it's a it's a sweet moment yes. and I love it and then it's interrupted by Cooper and Harry uh, who are in the doorway because the door was open and they arrest Leland for the murder of Jacques Renault which is a great like directorial like the whole sweet moment between Maddie and Leland is all shot to frame head on, seeing seeing their faces, mm-hmm. and then Cooper and Harry come in, and it's this weird, like really sharp profile where their heads are all cranked mm-hmm. to the side, where it looks really kind of almost awkward, mm-hmm. and it's really unsettling. Mm-hmm. And it's, hey, why? And he's, why are you here? Yeah, can I help you? And it's, and they're like looking at him like. Yeah, I'm pretty yes, straight up murdered. Pretty sure you know. Yeah, and it, it goes back and forth a couple of like a couple of shots back and forth of like, 
do you really not know? Yeah. You're under the under arrest for the murder. And it's this look of like, <laughs> did I? Me? Me? Me like, Leland? What? what? Just Are you be- looking for my wife? Just because I'm the one who killed him? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like doesn't get it. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a cool yeah. scene, like giving with his PTSD and sure. all, whatever. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and then we cut back to Harold, who enter answers the knock at his door. Uh, Donna says she didn't know where else to go. She's tired of being patient with James. Uh, Harold comforts her, gives her a drink. I keep telling myself that he's confused, but how much longer am I supposed to think that? James Hurley? Yeah. This one I thought I had it all figured out. Why do I even care? Why should I? Well, you care because you care for him, don't you? I wish I didn't. I just wanted to stop. First, you have to stop. Hey, what was it she used to say? Donna, Madonna, there's always manana. Uh, Donna strokes a, f- a flower, which is maybe my least favorite phrase ever. She strokes a flower, and then she there's sees something, a notebook. It's a bright red orchid yeah, that she, she, she kind of like, feels drawn to. At first, I thought she was going to like pluck a le- uh, uh, petal off it. No, I feel like there was just something about it that, like, I mean, it's it. she's just drawn to it mm-hmm. in this way that is kind of the same way that I think Laura was drawn to Harold. Sure. It's just kind of reminiscent of all that. Um, and then she opens a notebook, and then we see in uh, in Laura's handwriting the diary of Laura Palmer. Right, which is presumably now a secret diary. Secret diary, diary because we've seen her diary that we found in her parents' house. Right. Um, and now we have diary uh, number two. Yes. And that's that. So, uh, yeah, overall, I think a good episode not not my right favorite. right before and it's they timed it well i think it was right before this episode came out the secret diary of laura palmer was released oh i assume secret book. diary of laura palmer came out like after all of this happened it was like written it was written during the break okay and it was released i i i'm pretty sure it was released between last episode and this episode so like as Maybe almost like a marketing campaign of sure going into this so now you bought this book that has this cover of this red and black Mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of whatever with this little gold buckle and then at the very end of that episode oh shit you and i have the same book it was a really cool marketing maneuver yeah and that uh that wraps up that episode um yeah not this is an i feel like this is an interesting transitional episode we're meeting some characters and, and well you can you can just you can tell when it's not David Lynch anymore. It's a step yeah. down from the previous two episodes. Yeah. You're, but you're also starting like you, you know, start high with this great yeah. new season. Here's all the great stuff. Well, we got to start laying the groundwork for actual storylines, right? Right. And the problem is some of those storylines are subpar, right? Okay. Well, that does it for us. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. 
Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.